Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. You what? need to wash your hands after you use the restroom. Yes. With Steve Cofield. I like messing with him, but he's got the perfect face for radio. <laughs> Adam Candy. This is gotcha journalism. You know what? They're not going to gotch me. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. You heard of Cofield and Company, Steve Cofield. Adam Candy is here. Finley Toyota Studios being manned by one Ari. Also, uh, Angel hanging out with us here at the uh, Battleborn. Broadcast Center Studios. We're all over town. We're all over town. Trending at 2 o'clock. The show is all about me, Candy. I'm very selfish. You know that. Gigantic egomaniac. So I'm just going to talk about what I did today. I went to Cashman and got my second shot. So I am invincible! I'm back, baby! I'm back. I am rushing into crowded places. I will not be distancing. I will be allowed to go to concerts and sporting events. I am the king of the world. I am the king of the world. Candy, are you with me? Have you been shot at a second time? My friend, I was shot at a second time the better part of a month ago. And so I I have been out there, as Coach Joe would say, licking handrails just to prove my invincibility like i have just been out there trying to say to the world two shots in this arm zero covids in this body wow very bombastic to start the show we're also both lying through our teeth except for the fact that we got the shot uh i am doing very little of what i just said i was going to do i'm not rushing into anywhere uh, but i'm excited for the future to uh, get to go and watch sporting events as a fan and cover as a media member, not be looked upon as some sort of social weirdo when I'm trying to be around the UNLV football team or basketball team, like get away. I remember during the basketball season, uh, we were allowed to sit on the floor, you know, a very small group at the Thomas and Mac, uh, hardly any fans there, even down the stretch, you know, letting in like 50 or 75 fans candy. And I remember uh, I was sitting courtside and I'm, I'm telling you, there were like 15 of us courtside, right? Uh, and the rest of the media, well, the great unwashed upstairs. Uh, but Tim Buckley looked at me and he's like, uh, did he, I, I, I think at the time the shots were first coming out. And he's like, did, did you get the shot? And I'm like, I, like in shame, I just hung my head. I'm like, not yet, coach. You may want to back off to another 25 feet. So I feel like I'm, I could be more accepted now. I think, I think. Can I tell you about the experience this morning? I want to know more. I was going to say, please say no and go, I'm tired of this. Let's move on. Um, first of all, the process there, non-weekend, I will say flows nicely. But I, I will say I went on Saturday and I had to cancel uh, early in the morning because there was a pretty sizable line, which, you know, for me, that was going to be an inconvenience. Uh, to see all those people, though, getting vaccinated, awesome, right? People are buying into it. They're showing up. Uh, this morning flowed very nicely. How about this one? I walk up to the young man checking people in to get uh, Pfizer number two. Give him my ID. And he's like, love the show. Love the show. He's like, where's candy? I'm like, well, I'm here. 
There's I'm no like, chance Jer- he said that. I'm like, none whatsoever. Jeremy, Jeremy, the listener, I'm here. I'm here. He actually did joke. He's like, where are the rest of the guys getting their shot? And I'm like, well, they've, they've all kind of come at different times. I was like, I think Candy's done already. I know uh, Big Adam Hill is already done. Ari's getting his soon. JVT's getting his second soon. But he actually did. He did. Uh, he saw my name and he was like fan of the show. So that was cool. That was cool. Of course, I will also say that uh, as I was turning the corner after checking in, I hear like a faint voice and I hear them talking UFC. And I'm like, what is going on? What is going on? Uh, man, these people down at Cashman Sports Radio, get it on It was actually one of the local FM shows uh, Talking about things opening up And that UFC fight card The plan is Full house Full house in early July So we'll uh, we'll get to that in a, just a couple of minutes So, uh, like, like we've said all along, Candy I, I think the process, wherever you've gone Has been freaking smooth I don't know if you went to you know One of the big convention centers Or you went to a local pharmacy but, you know, my experiences with it were great. Uh, the SO, the significant other, uh, she had gone like two weeks ago. Her experience was great. So I assume it flowed pretty well for you, too. So I actually went to what was ultimately the exact opposite of yours. Uh, I went to Wally World. And at the Walmart pharmacy, I got to tell you, it was like, walk up, go sit in this chair over by the allergy medicine We'll call you in like five minutes. And then I'm not kidding. Like out came the pharmacist and a young man who was wearing a blue Walmart hoodie who couldn't have been more than 21, 22 years old, who I could tell by the nervousness in his face was definitely going to be the one with the needle in his hand. And so I'm like, all right. I thought you were going to say I could tell by the nervousness that he also listens to Cofield and company and he knew who you were, Adam Kane. The one time that I have been recognized for appearing on ESPN Las Vegas was at about 5 a.m. A TSA guy stopped me and said, oh, I like listening to you with Bischoff. I'm like, really? Okay. Can we can we keep moving here? Um, it's TSA. I got a flight to catch. I like anyway. that you were shocked. So, you know, stunned. So, yeah. So, it turned out it was the kid who was giving me my shot. So, I'm like, all right, well. At best, I get my shot. At worst, I got a story to tell. Um, and but no, uh, then they have their little waiting area is over um, somewhere between the greeting cards and the baby clothes, and so you just go park yourself over there, wait for fifteen minutes, uh, maybe get a slushy on the way out, and there you go. That was me getting shot number one and shot number two. Smooth, seamless experience. Shot one, I'll say, maybe a day and a half of headaches and being tired. Uh, but no other effects. Shot two got me a little bit. Uh, I had about I had about a day of chills, but other than that, like I just kind of sat there going through the you know the side effects, thinking to myself, well, it's a hell of a lot better than having COVID. And then you know there I was two weeks after getting to go over to my mom's house on Easter because it was the first time I had been inside her house for a year because you know she's in the one of the risk groups and so i want to make sure i'm keeping everybody safe and so there you go got my vaccine got to go back to having a, a normal holiday dinner with the family and everything was good all right well, we'll see what happens with shot number two i've, I've also heard people who've uh, felt a you know a little bit off for like a day or so so we'll see what happens and yeah just to, I, don't get your hopes up about the part where this is going to make you less of a social pariah though oh no because that, that had that- nothing to do with the shot Oh, I mean, brilliant statement. That was, obviously, that was complete sarcasm. And 
when I was yelling earlier about rushing into crowded places, uh, we were talking about this yesterday, and I, I've discussed it with the girlfriend as well. Uh, while I have mocked on you guys at times, poked fun, hopefully you got that it was in, in jest, calling you guys eternal lockdowners. Uh, Adam Hill came up with a really good one on Monday because I was, I was talking about distancing in general, and I've always been a distance person. Uh, I'm not a hugger in general. I'm not. We've we've had our rants about shaking hands. I'm actually not that comfortable like being in the middle of a crowd. Uh, it's why I'm not a massive concert dweller. Like I, if you if you actually watch me, and who would want to do that? But in a lot of social situations, if I'm not actually speaking to people uh, and engage in a conversation, I will actually fade to the outside and kind of watch from afar. So Adam's term was eternal distancer. And that's probably the way I'm going to operate because that was the way I operated before all this. But uh, I don't know that I'll be, you know, sitting there close talking anyone anytime soon. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you're essentially a modern three point shooter, right? You're not going right to the hole to try to get a rebound or go in for a layup. Like you're oh. going to go space the floor, and if the pass comes your way, you'll be ready to shoot. But otherwise, you're just going to kind of hang in the corner and wait for your turn. You know what's funny about that? To uh, to go into what you guys do when you fill in on the morning show and the the whole. Uh, dork analyst stuff that you guys love. I actually, uh, in in my limited basketball playing days, I actually did love the mid range jumper. I was I kind of fancied myself, uh, you know, shooting from like Tim Duncan distance and doing the kiss off the glass. So, oh, if you were banking shots in, I have oh, mad I, respect for you. That's oh, that it. is peak goggles YMCA stuff right there. <laughs> it is, it is. I love the bank shot. I love the bank shot from like thirteen feet. So so there you go. Uh, I know Ari's got his uh, vaccine coming up, so Cofield and Company is on board. Um, you know, we hope everyone goes out goes out and get it. And uh, if you don't, you don't. And we'll see what's going to develop here, because I also thought it was really interesting. Well, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, because maybe they'll be yelled at now, and they'll be told, don't say that to people. But uh, I did notice both of the ladies that were manning the table uh, that I was sitting at giving the vaccine this morning uh, made a point slash kind of joke that, I should save the card, take a picture of the vaccination card, because you may want that down the road. I was like, yes, I'm, I'm aware of those possibilities. So I'm aware of those possibilities. So one of the first things I'm going to do, Candy, because you know how much uh, I love being around the athletes and watching them up close. I may just go and try to, like, pick off a pass from Derek Carr at a local park this week. What do you think of that? I mean, it'll happen one. Maybe I won't catch it. Uh, it'll probably knock me on my ass. Uh, I'll then get beaten by a, a select group of Raiders. But the Raiders, unlike every other team out there, they want it, brother. They're working out at the parks again because things are starting to open up. Hey, man, go to the park. Got them eight, eight wins last year. Don't you mock on going to the park. I'm not mocking. You know what, man? Go out there and run your park workouts. It's awesome. I'm glad you're getting used to the new receivers because if you go anywhere near Raiders social media right now, you will once again, for the second consecutive offseason, be bombarded with images of shirtless Derek Carr and various shirt stage receivers going out there and running routes and catching passes. Great offseason work fantastic do you have to bring a camera crew do you have to document every moment does it immediately have to go onto social media bro we're working out i know we kind of assume you are you're professional athletes you, we know you're working out in the off season like i would be surprised more if you put a social media crew filming you sitting on your couch eating cheetos 
watching American Idol and being like, eh, I was thinking about working out, but I don't know. This is pretty comfortable. Isn't that all part of branding, though? Like the Raiders developing more of a bond with the fans, but the players themselves, isn't it part of branding? What's wrong? I, I want them to be 3D. I want to know about Derek Carr's existence. I want to know that Henry Ruggs is working hard to make the next step. What's your problem, man? Well, uh, that's a much deeper question to try to get into, but Henry Ruggs working out to try to have a better season than he did last year is a dog bites man story. He had a rough season. He had a rough rookie season. And so I would assume that he's going out there and putting in work, whether that work is in the park, whether that work is at the Raiders facility, whether that work is in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I don't know where the work is, but I'm going to assume that as a professional athlete, he's going out there and trying to get better. And the promotion of it all, the look at us, look at us working out. We brought our own cameraman with us. We brought our own camera. We are going to get your attention. You know what? Just go win some games. All right. Just, just. Go do what you're supposed to do. Be a professional athlete. Get paid to work out. Go win some games. Come back to me later. You know what? You want to have a camera crew at the Victory Parade? Go for it. We got the news uh, over the weekend. We talked about it on Monday that uh, 100% capacity is the goal for the NFL season with the Raiders. Uh, that was from the CEO of the MGM and also the president of the Raiders and Mark Bedane. We'll get into that and also how, you know, it's all coming together well before that. We got Garth Brooks in town in early July. You know, the UFC led by Dana White. He wants full arenas as soon as possible. Hell, if the Golden Knights make a run into the Stanley Cup final, the beginning of July could be epic. Uh, Sisolak made some big uh, proclamations yesterday. Governor Sisolak with some big decisions. We'll break those down and what it means for us, the sports fan, coming up here in roughly two plus months what i mean it's, it's right around the corner after this lockdown for so long we're coming out in force at the beginning of july join the conversation on twitter at espn las vegas hanging at the Battleborn broadcast center it's cofield and company Justin walking into espn las vegas legal insider coming up in about an hour. A lot of good stories to get to. We'll do our path to the draft. Ugh, Broncos. Yeah, we got to talk Broncos. We're inside of the top 10 now, so we'll get to the Broncos and uh, our buddy Judge Dan on the fan in Denver will join us in about 10 minutes. We got breaking news on the hockey front. Adam Candy, uh, Golden Knights and Sharks, originally scheduled Friday, April 23rd, now scheduled to take place on uh, Monday, May 10th. Don't know the reason. I'll look around to find out. Flexibility, the name of the game this year. That's it, right? I mean, they've had to they've had to deal with their own COVID pause. They've had to deal with other teams' COVID pauses. Hasn't really slowed the Golden Knights down when it comes to dealing with the unwashed masses at the bottom of the West Division. So Governor Sisolak announces uh, yesterday 100% capacity. We're going with that on June 1st. Still want the mask worn, which I think is a whole different discussion. Uh, immediately... You start hearing some of the stuff that we heard over the weekend from Bill Hornbuckle about big events in early July. Uh, the goal is to start getting big crowds in town at these events. That includes a potential Conor McGregor fight if he stops acting like a child and agrees to fight the fight that he was scheduled against Dustin Poirier. Maybe Stanley Cup final if the Knights are fortunate enough to get there. Uh, Garth Brooks concert rolls out on what? July 10th? 
think that's the right date. Uh, what do you think about, because you could see this coming, like people in town and around the country are like, hey, when is Vegas opening up? When you hear June 1st, all of a sudden the possibilities are out there. Do you think Sisolak went a little too full bore where we can't push back on this or change the plans if we need to? I absolutely think he went too far too fast because when you look at where the numbers are right now, they had plateaued in terms of positivity rate on COVID tests, and they're actually starting to creep back up. Now, they're low compared to what we were dealing with, which is great. But if they're trending that direction and they continue to trend that direction, how exactly do you put the toothpaste back in the tube on this one? You hope the fact that the vaccinations are where they are in this state. And I mean, look, we have more than 600,000 people who've had at least one dose of the vaccine in this state. That's fantastic. And that's going to keep it from getting really bad, even if the numbers pop back up again. But that being said, you said June 1st, the counties have it in their hands to do it as soon as May 1st to go back to 100% capacity. So if we're talking about putting 20,000 people inside T-Mobile Arena, then the question to me is what happens if we start trending the wrong way again? What happens when we've sold 20,000 tickets for this fight and we've booked all these rooms? There's no going back. There's no way. There's no way that the government is going to walk 100% back. Sisolak has taken enough political heat over this whole thing. There's no way that even if it were the right thing to do by medical science, that this thing is going backward. And I think, Cofield, the thing we have to keep in mind is that numbers here are different than numbers just about anywhere else because our numbers are generally looking at the people who live here, the people who live and stay here, not the 20,000 vectors of people who are coming in from other places and bringing in their potential issues with COVID to Vegas and leaving it behind for us to deal with. So it's been an issue all along in terms of the reporting of numbers. And look, I want Vegas to open up. I want there to be 18,000 people screaming for a Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup final game. I got to experience it. It's fantastic. It's something we should all be striving toward. But man, right now in mid-April with cases going back up with new variants being a problem with the British variant being the one that is now the dominant one and it's more transmissible I, I just feel like it's too much too fast if you work at T-Mobile you work at one of these venues you work at a casino you're in front of people you're a dealer and you've had some reservations about getting the vaccine what do you think now you know isn't your hand kind of forced like because you just said I don't know who's coming in I don't know if they're coming in from Arizona Florida Texas wouldn't that give you, I guess, pause on your pause and, and get you to right. a point where you're like, you know what, I I got to I gotta get the vaccine, man, because I don't know what's coming. You have no idea. You don't. And those are the places that you just mentioned where obviously they've gone full bore. And look, it's not proven yet. It's a study that's still being peer reviewed. But there is an initial study out there from the NFL games that had fans this past year that shows that in the couple of weeks following NFL games with fans that there were rises in the number of cases and so that's talking about the NFL that's talking about being outdoors even in a socially distanced crowd because those people 
are potentially still tailgating. Those people are still socializing. And now we're talking about Vegas where you have a mask mandate, but no social yeah. distancing requirement. Yeah. How exactly does that work? I, when I saw that, I was like, okay, well, if, I mean, if you take the distancing thing down, I think most people are naturally going to think, well, there's no mask. Who's, who's going to be in charge of that? If we still have a mask mandate in July, which, what do you think? Is that a long shot or could we still have a mask mandate in July? We could have it, but like you said, I mean, do you think Metro, does Metro want to be out there saying, pull up your mask? There's no way you can control a crowd of 20,000. No, of course not. At a fight? (laughs) Okay, good luck. (laughs) Oh, my God. Look, I had people say to me, hey, what, what do you think about going to a Golden Knights game? And look, this is nothing about the Golden Knights, but this, to me, was like, I think I'm not quite ready to be sitting in the crowd yet because there might be social distancing there might be a mask mandate but do i want to trust it to the usher at t-mobile arena to have to come down and play mask police for someone who doesn't want to do it do i really want to be in that situation then it's not even about covid for me it's just about stress it's just about being in a stressful situation that i don't know that i'm ready for well the, the counter to all this candy is you've got your second shot what are you worried about you're impervious dude impervious i like the word by the way it makes it sound like there's no way you're a perv you're impervious i like did i, did I use uh, it maybe i used the wrong word no you used it perfectly um you, you, you should, shouldn't you feel safe what are you worried about hey you know what i'm glad to have the vaccine i'm glad to be around other vaccinated people but the vaccine efficacy is 90 percent. fantastic we take on risk much greater than that every day in things we do that being said if you tell me that by a choice to do something for entertainment, that I have a one in 10 chance of contracting it. And I don't even mean contracting it just for how it it affects me. I mean, contracting it for how I might spread it beyond myself. Then that to me right now, not a chance I want to take. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft, presented by Weed Sellers, weedsellers.com. That's weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. Back it up. We got a Bronco song? Let's do it. Well, that's good. We don't like the Broncos here. So screw it. Number nine pick is up. Uh, I'm going to kind of force this down everyone's throats around town, Adam Candy. But it is a concern. We do need to uh, have the Broncos stay as the worst team in the division. What can they do in the draft? We got some questions at quarterback. Also, what the players are doing in terms of the uh, workouts. But we bring on Dan Jacobs, Judge Dan from the fan in Denver. What's up, Dan? What do you mean you need the Broncos to stay the worst team in the division? I, I take offense to that. What do you mean? That's the way it goes, man. You come on into these opposing cities. Well, maybe not L.A., but you're going to get you're going to get beaten and bandied about. Sorry. You need the Chiefs to not be the best team in the division. That's, well, that's what you need. That's a good point. <laughs> the, Raiders, the Raiders need the Chiefs to come back to the pack a little bit. So I got to get your reaction to, uh, first of all, the, the news around Vegas. I don't know if you saw it. Maybe this will be instant reaction. Uh, we are planning on opening up things here at 100% on June 1st, it could be earlier, county by county. There will be a mask mandate in place for now, and the plan is in early July. We've got Garth Brooks here at the stadium. We've got a UFC fight at the uh, at the arena at the Fortress um, the same weekend. And like for that UFC fight, they're planning on having 19,000 or 20,000 
I don't know what's going on in Denver in terms of COVID and opening things up. What's your reaction to here in Vegas? Is it going to be mostly open up on June 1st? Well, I, I didn't see that, but I did see uh, a different article on the front page, I think, of uh, NBC News saying that you guys are uh, all sorts of innovative things, new casinos, new restaurants, all sorts of new attractions for when you do open up, that it's, it's not just going to be the same old Vegas, that it's going to be uh, you know, all sorts of exciting new things for when it does open up. Um, so I'm a little surprised that it's you know, going to be that quickly, but it's really just a matter of uh, what, what did you say the date was? June, June 1st. Well, I mean, everybody will have an opportunity to be vaccinated by then. So to me, it's, it, it, maybe there's a little bit of shock value, but the president said July, July 4th. So June 1st, if you think about it, it's not that big of a surprise if everybody is vaccinated. You know, it should not be that big of a deal. The, you know, here in Denver, the surprise is the Broncos kind of throwing their little mutiny yesterday. That's the big talk in town. They were the first one to kind of say they're going to boycott the offseason program uh, when, you know, as a team, they do have boycott protocols in place. So that's obviously what we're talking about here locally. I like how you describe that. Like they're being petty with the, with the mutiny. Uh, how are Broncos fans reacting in the first day of the Broncos jumping on board, the Seahawks jumping on board? Um, we had the Buccaneers say they're going to do it. So what's the, the local reaction? Is it mostly anti-player? It's very anti-player because the Broncos, well, they scapegoated their season last year with the whole idea of, yeah, we were terrible offensively, despite the fact that they invested a lot in the draft, a lot of capital, on getting this offense turned around, and the excuses that we were given this whole time was, well, we didn't have an offseason, right? Oh, well, you know, that was the problem, but we'll have an offseason. Drew Locke will have an offseason. Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler, everybody will have an offseason to get together, and, you know, we brought back the entire coaching staff, so everybody will have all this time to work together, and now the whole players en masse are saying, well, nope, we're not going to work together. We don't need it. Uh, it turns out off-seasons aren't all that important. Well, then why did you guys suck last year if off-seasons aren't that important? Uh, the whole reason was, you know, the, the, the press release was, it turns out the level of football was better than it was ever, ever been before in the history of the league. Well, it wasn't in Denver, so what's the problem? That's, uh, you know, the reaction we're getting here. And they've yeah. been all, all across the league. The football was great, but not here in Denver, so we kind of feel like we're getting the shaft. So the thought is that... <laughs> What, that the Broncos being the team that had all the injuries, the Broncos being a younger team, that they can't necessarily afford it the same way that another team could. And I guess my question is, well, if they're doing it, if they're doing it virtually the way other successful teams did, are we saying that we just think that this team can't afford to do that? Right, because that was their own excuse. John Elway, which you never – we, I never understood this. John Elway gave this team a built-in excuse at the beginning of the offseason last year, beginning of the season last year, and said, hey, we got to give this offense time because they didn't have time to work together because of COVID, which was very surprising to me. And it was a narrative that has gone on throughout this whole offseason because we were first promised that, you know, through lock out terrible. And as it more and more that at first we have a new GM in uh, this town. His name is George Payton. Initially, we were going to get competition at quarterback as he 
by Matt Stafford, and as it, as it turned out that George uh, Deshaun Watson was not going to happen, and as he missed on every, you know, pretty much quarterback and free agency, that, you know, said, well, actually, it turns out we like Drew Locke, and so we kind of, this narrative respun was, well, you know, at least an offseason for Drew Locke to work, work out this year, and, and the coaches are back, so at least we'll have an offseason. Well, now we don't have an offseason. So, so now, yeah, you know, Sam's mad. Like, that was used for us terrible on offense last year. So we didn't have many, very many injuries on offense last year. We basically had Corland Sutton. James uh, off the but we all knew we not depend on Joel James. So we basically had one major injury on offense. So used for the offense being so terrible. The was, well, they didn't have an offseason because of COVID. Now the entire offense is saying we're not going to work out because of COVID. So yeah, the, 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 the players saying we were at the excuse was last let's, year. Uh, let's put Dan on hold. See if we can get a cleaner line. Dan Jacobs on the fan in Denver. Judge Dan. He also joins us from time to time on our Law and Sporter late night podcast. We do that on Thursday nights at. Nine o'clock, and then you can get the audio version up at all the, the major carriers out there, like uh, iTunes and and Spotify. Let's see, Dan's back up. Dan, you got us. Is a little better. It is a little better. Yes, yes. Well, let's let's build on let's build on the off season because to me, the story of the off season is that we're sitting here uh, in uh, whenever the hell we are right now, April, and Drew Locke is still the quarterback. How has this happened? What's the plan? Drew Locke, that can't be the plan in September, right? It's very perplexing because when George Payton first got here, they, they had not, a, not a, either Vic Fangio, who's the head coach, nor George Payton had a kind word to say about Drew Locke. In fact, you know, they, they weren't saying very nice things at all, and they kept saying they were going to get competition for Drew Locke. They admitted they were in on the, on the Matt Stafford talks. They missed out. Um, then they kept saying, well, we're going to bring in competition. We're going to bring in competition. They missed out on all the you know major you know free agent stuff. Our best guess is is that they were going to make a major play for Deshaun Watson, and now that blew up obviously. And so they are looking maybe in the draft, but they haven't made a major play to move up in the draft. I mean the Niners did. So absent either hoping something falls to them uh, at nine, or if they say okay. Let's see what's left, and then we'll make a move, maybe to move up on draft day. Um, they're kind of le- less stuck, and so now what they're saying is, you know, look, George Payton—he's not off to a, to a, to a great start. Uh, a with what happened with Von Miller getting kind of played by Von Miller, and now he's now come back around after not speaking kindly of Drew Locke. Now he's saying, "Oh yeah, we have our quarterback. We actually like Drew Locke." Um, after all along saying we want to bring in competition. So he's not off to a great start, uh, George Payton. And now you have, of course, the, the mutiny, so to speak, um, which, again, shows the team just kind of lacks in leadership still um, under Fangio and L.A. and, and George Payton. Um, so, yeah, you're right, Steve, that, no, Drew Locke is a terrible choice, and now they're kind of stuck with him. So you look at what the draft could hold for the Broncos, and you look there at nine, and you see that, Look, it's almost a certainty that quarterbacks are going to go one, two, and three, and then the questions begin from there as to not only which quarterbacks will be left, but 
whether or not uh, anyone will make a move for them, whether that's trading or whether that's pulling the trigger from where they are. Realistically, from what we've read with the way that the mock drafts have looked and so on, who do you think the Broncos could end up with and what do you think that they, they should be looking to do from the spot that they're in? Yeah, I mean, they're talking a lot about a retread trade for, you know, uh, a Teddy Bridgewater is kind of what they're thinking is the most likely choice. They're just waiting for, you know, that to pan out to try and get him as the cheapest price possible. Or does Justin Fields or Trey Lance kind of fall? The, the word I'm hearing is, and what we're hearing is, Trey Lance's stock is shooting up, and that maybe Justin Fields does fall. And so maybe if he's around or if he's within a striking distance and you can make a trade that makes sense, then yes, you can, you, you know, maybe you get Justin Fields in the draft. I'm not a fan of that, but, you know, I'm not in charge of the Broncos. If not, then yes, they make a move for, you know, a Foles, or right now it's most likely a Teddy Bridgewater. He's not, you know, setting the world on fire, but he's certainly going to be available. Um, or, you know, Alex Smith is, you know, the, the you know, safety choice of all safety choices. He's certainly still out there, you know, and available. But, it, you know, it's, it's it's typical of, of the Broncos in the in the post Peyton Manning era. It's it's a band aid approach to that position, and that's why they're the worst post Super Bowl team, I believe, in history. The history of the league, uh, or certainly in the modern era, they've just never really had the urgency at that position, and that's why they're uh, the Broncos right now are mired in their worst stretch in their NFL franchise history, and that's why. Dan Jacobs with us, the fan in Denver, Judge Dan is on the horn. we got a legal story to uh, close out with in a couple of minutes. Uh, the ninth pick is up in our path to the draft. That's where the the Broncos are. Uh, on their offseason, let's talk about uh, some of the changes in the offseason and we can kind of set up what they may do with the rest of the draft. Uh, looks like you know most of the, the big additions were on the defensive side of the ball. Did you like what they did, or did they need to be more aggressive on the offensive side in free agency? Well, I don't like what they did is because I actually agree with what um, Seren Petro said on your broadcast one time. They need to get worse before they get better. They need to get worse so they can get you know approve a little bit in the draft and so they can get in a position to actually get a quarterback um, and get better. All they did in, in free agency was they basically traded A.J. Boye for Ronald Darby. Nobody in town knew who Ronald Darby was before they signed him. And then, everybody, oh, everybody loves Ronald Darby now. Who? Who's Ronald Darby? And then they added Kyle Fuller you know, on a one-year deal. Um, so they basically followed uh, you know, follow John Elway's plan to a T, which was they have the same 5-11 and 11 team that they had last year, except for they essentially added Kyle Fuller, and they lost Darrell Casey, and they lost um, you know, their Pro Bowl running back and um, uh, Philip Lindsay. They're essentially the same team. They're, they're, they're probably very similar to actually what the Raiders are. When I had you on my a show a couple of weeks ago, um, Cofield is like, okay, well, how much better are the Raiders going to be? Well, you, you hope they're going to be a little bit better, but how much better can you depend on them being? Uh, I don't know. You really don't know. Probably similar with, with the Broncos. Everybody thinks they're going to be a lot better because they have a lot invested on the defense, but I thought that last year, and they ended up being two games worse. They won seven games two years ago under Vic Fangio with the highest paid defense in the league, and they lost two more games. So I'm not really buying in that the Broncos are going to be any better, but okay, they're two games better. Well, that's a seven-win team. Um, are they three games better? I doubt it. So um, I'm really not a fan of what they've done, even though a lot of people around here like it. 
um, because, okay, what are they, mediocre now as opposed to a 5-1 team? What does that get you in the draft? Um, and they still don't have a quarterback, so I'm not a real big fan of it. A lot of the media suck-ups around here, they like it, but they like everything that Elway and his sycophants do. So, you know, that's kind of the way it goes. Damn. Dan Jacobs lashing out. Uh, they don't get a quarterback at nine. They don't move up to get a quarterback in the top ten. They sit at nine. What do you want them to grab? What should they grab? Who should they grab? Well, they have three positions they really need. They need a right tackle. They need depth at cornerback. Uh, because, you know, all the cornerbacks they grab, like Kyle Fuller, he's on a one-year kind of prove-it deal. He's probably going to be gone. Um, and, you know, they, you know, Darby might be here for a year or two, and then he's gone. Uh, Kyle, uh, Bryce Callahan's probably gone after a year. So, you know, Sertain certainly wouldn't be a bad choice. Uh, Penny Sewell, if he's around, you know, for right tackle would be a good choice. Or they need, they've needed inside linebacker help for years, um, and they've just refused to address it. So right tackle cornerback, um, inside linebacker would be great foundational needs, which is kind of an earmark of, you know, kind of the big failings of the uh, John L.A. era, which is he just simply to address, he failed to address because he always got, you know, enamored with the shiny pieces like Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler and Noah Fant and, you know, shiny pieces as opposed to foundational needs. Um, and, you know, overdraft a quarterback that doesn't really project to what you need um, but just because a quarterback is there, I don't like any of those quarterbacks that are probably left going to be left around. I, I only, personally, I think there's two quarterbacks worth drafting. After that, you're overdrafting. So go get a foundational need, um, develop players, get yourself in a position to draft one of the two or three quarterbacks that are worth drafting next year. If I were the guy in charge, that's what I would do. That's not what the Broncos are going to do, though. Uh, give me a win total play on this season. Uh, number Early numbers up have the Broncos at 7.5. By the way, the Raiders are 7.5. The Chargers are 9. Uh, Chiefs at the top of the division. I think it's a 12, if I'm correct. But anyway, 7.5 on the Broncos. You're going over-under. Remember, 17 games now. Steve, you get your wish. The Broncos stay the worst team in the division. Okay. All right. So they go under. So they go under 7. All right. Uh, and by the I way, the Chiefs, yeah, Chiefs are 12. Uh, before we get you out of here, uh, Dan is an attorney. He is a uh, he's a judge, and you sent me a story which is very interesting. We've addressed the story at least once on the show. We had a Texans reporter make some statements about the accusers in the Deshaun Watson case. Uh, he's been fired. What sort of rights does he have to uh, fight back against that firing? Well, it, you know, you've been on with with Justin Watkins on your podcast. I think you guys have addressed this issue a lot of, you know, many times, which is I don't think he has any any recourse, but I think it's sad. I think it's sad that, you know, most employers, um, unless they're firing somebody that's in a protected class, you know, you can usually fire somebody for any reason or no reason at all. And in this case, um, you know, they have the right to fire the guy. But I just think it's sad. I think, it, I, one, I don't think what he said was that egregious. Uh, most people... You know, he got caught up in what a lot of people were saying about Deshaun Watson early on, which was most people thought Deshaun Watson was a really good guy. And most people that have dealt with Deshaun Watson thought that. Um, now, more and more comes out, less and less people are willing to stick their neck out for him. But this guy stuck his neck out for Deshaun Watson, and he paid the price, and that's sad because, you know, for journalists, you know, it's a, a rapidly shrinking, um, you know, position, and it's harder and harder, harder and harder to to get jobs. I, I just think it's sad because, you know, did what was what he said worthy of, you know, maybe a career-ending 
you know, uh, conduct. I didn't think it was. I think it was, you know, probably something he shouldn't have said. But it's just, you know, I don't want to be the guy that says, ah, this you know, political correctness, um, <laughs> you know, but I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that was worthy of losing your career because he said it was a money grab? I don't know what to think anymore. I just know that going into this whole situation that uh, I made a decision. I'm not saying a whole lot uh, unless we're talking to you guys, the attorneys, or a judge in your case. I'm not going on any sort of limb. I don't know all the facts. It's such a weird story. I'm not willing to pick a side. So, um, listen, you, you go on radio, um, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous place. you got to be careful what you say. And Adam Hill well, took up for the guy. Well, I think, but I think about it, like, you know, I go on your podcast, but I also listen to your podcast, right? right? And I always be careful. I'm always careful when I go on your podcast because I work for, you know, a conservative uh, company in Bonneville when I'm on the fan here in Denver. But, you know, you guys, uh, you know, do a lot of, you know, pushing the envelope on your podcast. I know Seren, you know, works for a company in Kansas City and, you know, he goes on and says certain things on there. You guys have to be careful, too. When you guys, you know, even on your podcast and the other mediums, but companies will will terminate employees for for more and more conduct in this day and age, which is something you have to be more and more careful about. Uh, which sometimes it's justified, sometimes it's not, and sometimes it's very very unfortunate. I I, I kind of feel bad for the guy that it, you know for for comments like that. Um, you know, he got caught up in sticking up for Deshaun Watson. A lot of people thought very highly of Deshaun Watson, and this guy paid for it with his job and maybe his career. Uh, I'll answer the question more affirmatively. Of course, he should not lose his career for saying, you know, in his opinion, that he, at the front end of this whole thing, he believes it's a money grab. And uh, we'll see how this plays out. Hopefully, uh, he can get back in the biz. He, you know, he gave a big apology, and that apology should be accepted. So, all right, Dan, when's the next time you're on the fan? What's coming up? Uh, well, the Dan Jacobs Show will be live and on the air this Saturday, 11 to 2, and then I think I'm doing the night show next Wednesday. And by the way, yes. I was shocked. I had Steve Cofield on. I was doing the fan late night, I don't know, two weeks ago. Yeah. Incredibly polite, well-mannered, yeah. behaved. I was like, what's going on here? Who is this guy? Is this Steve Cofield or did I get like a robot? I was very shocked. I'm, uh, I am I was highly energetic. I was highly entertaining. So describe it accurately, first of all. Well, yes, uh, it was, uh, yes, it was very energetic, very uh, highly entertaining. I was just was so, uh, you were so polite. I was, yes. I was, I was taken aback. Here's the thing, Dan, to take people behind the scenes. First of all, I'm old. I've matured a little bit. Uh, when I first met you, we were working together at a place called Sports Fan Radio Network. We were all in our 20s, and I was a raging lunatic. I was a bull in a china closet. And then I paired up with a guy, Brandon Tierney, who's a fellow New Jersey, New York area guy. And uh, you met us, and you're like, what is going on with these Northeast guys? Like, the, you know, you just you, it, was a, it was wrong situation, wrong time for you. Adam, mature. Is that, is that the way you would... Uh... Uh, describe Mr. Cofield right now. <laughs> More mature than in the past. I'm going to take that high road. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Dan, we believe him, man. He speaks the truth. All right, Dan. We will. Uh, we'll see you. We'll get you on the podcast soon and. Uh, Keep going with the super smoker. I don't know how much that smoker costs, but uh, you need to do a lot more shifts because that thing looked like it cost about three or four thousand uh, dollars. It, uh, it it definitely. I, I I call it the citation because it uh, rolls just as smooth as my first car and cost uh, cost more. There you go, Dan Jacobs. Thank you, Dan. All right, see ya. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Dan is a lunatic.
He's a he's a smoking savant, and I don't mean like weed or cigarettes. He loves his smoked meats. He sent me a picture the other day. I don't, it looked like he was freaking like I I scream about twenty one pounds of meat all the time, and I and I was intimidated. He stocked up. I think he stocked up for the rest of twenty twenty one. The smoker is running round the clock in Denver. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co.